Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is NaplesIllustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He actually replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm really grateful. He did a great job. And we'll visit with Bill Barnett, Naples mayor, uh, former mayor. To me, he'll always be the mayor of Naples. Bill Barnett will be with us as well. It is June the 4th, and on this day in 1876, a mere 83 hours after leaving New York City, the Transcontinental Express train arrived in San Francisco. That any human being could travel across the entire nation in less than four days was inconceivable to previous generations of Americans. During the early 19th century, when Thomas Jefferson first dreamed of an American nation stretching from sea to shining sea, it took the president 10 days to travel the 225 miles from Monticello to Philadelphia via carriage. Even with frequent changings of horses, the 100-mile journey from New York to Philadelphia demanded two-day hard travel in a light stagecoach. At such speeds, the coasts of continent-wide American nation was months apart. How could such a vast country ever hope to remain united? Five days after the Transcontinental Railroad was completed, daily passenger service over the rails began. The speed and comfort offered by rail travel was so astonishing that many Americans could scarcely believe it. And popular magazines wrote about glowing accounts of the amazing journey for the wealthy. A trip of the Transcontinental Railroad was a uh, luxurious experience. First-class passengers rode in the beautifully appointed cars with plush velvet seats that converted into snug sleeping berths. The finer amenities included steam heat, fresh linen daily, and gracious porters who catered to their every whim. For an extra $4 a day, the wealthy travel traveler could opt to take the weekly Pacific Hotel Express, which offered first-class dining on board. As one happy passenger wrote, the rarest and richest of all my journey through life is this 3,000 miles by rail. The trip was a good less speedy and comfortable for passengers unwilling or unable to pay the premium fares. They had hard benches, and sometimes they had to get off the train while it was changing, and sometimes took many, a lot longer. But nevertheless, uh, nobody complained because it was a heck of a lot better than taking a Conestoga wagon across the Oregon Trail. Uh, It's just amazing here. Less than 100 years later, we're putting a man on the moon. Isn't that amazing? First transcontinental journey across the United States in 1876. Well, we've got some a few uh, no new COVID-19 deaths in Collier County. Testing is up to 17,716 tests with 1,679 positive, or about 9%. The percentage is dropping daily. 818 Hispanic cases, so that's uh, uh, greater than the percent of the population here in, in Collier County. To me, it looks like the virus is dissipating, and the governor of uh, Florida agrees, Ron DeSantis, said Wednesday that 64 Florida counties can reopen bars and movie theaters while retail stores can go to full capacity as he moved most of the state into the second phase of the economic reopening. The change takes effect uh, tomorrow, DeSantis said, speaking at the partial reopening of Universal Studios in Orlando, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties, where the coronavirus has been the most prevalent, are excluded from the expansion, but DeSantis said the leaders can submit reopening plans for further review by his office. Bars will be limited to 50% capacity and indoor and out, on unlimited uh, outdoor seating. With the reopening, DeSantis is also allowing retail stores and gymnasiums to go to full capacity, although with social distancing and frequent sanitizing standards still in place. The governor kept gyms completely closed until mid-May, even as he allowed restaurants to first reopen partially in May 4th. Movies, bowling alleys, arcade, and auditoriums can also open Friday, although at 50% capacity. 
Uh, he also made some comments on protests. After protests in many Florida cities prompted by the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police, DeSantis also addressed these tense demonstrations and the arrests of dozens of people, particularly in Tampa, Miami, and Orlando. Florida will not tolerate rioting, looting, or violence, DeSantis said. Although the, he thanked the peaceful demonstrators for their action across the state, the governor said that he was sending 500 Florida National Guard to Washington, D.C. on Wednesday to help with security there, where his political mentor, President Donald Trump, had been in focus of many of the demonstrators and where gatherings have been spawned clashes with uh, law enforcement and military personnel. So I appreciate the governor's stance on violence in Florida. We've seen very little of it, and that's good. Uh, of course, we're seeing a lot more of it up in New York. Well, I mentioned Tropical Storm Cristobal is moving slowly inland over Mexico after making landfall shortly after 8 a.m. in the state of uh, Mexico near Ciudad de Carmen. Maximum sustained winds there are estimated at 50 miles an hour. Now, apparently this thing is supposed to go ashore, then come off and go east, probably to the panhandle. But uh, just to mention Cristobal, of course, the first uh, major storm with 50-mile-an-hour winds and you never know where these things are going to go. Anyhow, hopefully we'll have a very uh, calm hurricane season here on the Paradise Coast. Well, the ADP private sector jobs report for May is in, and although it's a big negative number, it's still positive news in the context of the whole self-imposed Wuhan virus recession. The ADP number for May came in as a net jobs loss of 2.76 million, which is obviously a depressing number, but... It's a big but. The consensus of projections by the so-called experts in the field had predicted a loss of 8,663,000 jobs, almost 6 million more than the actual number, which makes it pretty clear most workers have lost jobs over the last 10 weeks and filed initial claims for unemployment, quickly found new jobs or went back to where they were working. Businesses are reopening faster than the experts had anticipated, despite the effort by from an array of Democratic governors to prevent this from happening in states like, of course, Michigan, New York, California, Oregon, New Jersey, and Nevada. The reduction in economic growth has obviously not been as deep and severe as most had been estimating. That's why we had the next bit of winning news. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rocketed up 527 points yesterday to above 26,000, just five trading days after it topped 25,000 last Wednesday, and just nine weeks after it bottomed out at 18,591. That's a rise of about 40% in a little over two months. Spectacular, although what a drop it was, huh? At the same time, the NASDAQ hit 9,681 yesterday and is now within just 70 points of regaining every bit of the losses it suffered in March, given that the stock market tends to reflect where investors believe the economy will be in three to six months from now. That represents a stunning vote of confidence in the, in the U.S. economy. Oh, and, and then there's this. You may be wondering why all the writing across the country suddenly got dialed back last night. President Trump is saying that it's because some mayors like Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles called in the National Guard and that that likely had a lot of merit. But other depraved Democrats like Bill de Blasio and Lori Lightfoot in Chicago did not do that, yet saw a dramatic decrease in violence and mayhem in their cities. Now, why is that? Well, the Democrats and thus Antifa and Black Lives Matter got hold of some bad polling data, which meant... All the bad out-of-state actors who were ordered to go home by some reports. Remember, every decision the Democrats make is based on polling data. The bad data on the riots came to them from the new poll from every very liberal uh, morning consult polling group, which finds that Americans favor using the National Guard and the U.S. military to put down these riots by, frankly, an amazing 58 to 30 percent margin. The move is even favored by Democrats who voted 48 to 43 in favor of bringing in the Guard. In another bit of bad polling data for Democrats, the Rasmussen poll shows that a large plurality of Americans consider Antifa to be a terrorist organization. 49% of respondents answered yes, while 30% said no. So if you don't think the data caused a ton of Democrat heads to explode, then you don't understand how Democrats think and operate clearly. Uh, so they sent uh, the, the uh, thought here is that uh, they're sending these folks home. 
And, of course, uh, by the way, Rod Rosenstein admitted under oath yesterday that he had zero basis for signing the FISA warrant, zero basis for believing anyone in the Trump campaign or transition team was colluding with Russians, and thus zero basis for appointing a special counsel. He admitted that he basically didn't know anything just and just allowed himself to be strung over by the coup cabal made up of Obama holdovers and the DOJ and FBI. It's pretty sickening, actually. Tomorrow we can or today we can expect GOP majority to vote unanimously to issue subpoenas to more than 50 Obama loyalists who tried to fix the 2016 election and therefore overthrow the duly elected president of the United States. States, this is uh, going to be kind of interesting to watch, I think. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community, thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the teen conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And a new season of productions has been posted. You can get tickets now by going to the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith, and along with Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founded the Florida Citizens Alliance about eight years ago and is doing terrific work. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots uh, organization, a coalition, if you will. Um, we're a 501c3, so a charity. We work with uh, well over 100 groups across the state. We're up to almost 70,000 active supporters now. Uh, we're actively building a parent database and just uh, in, the, in, the, in the beginning stages of building a parent website that's just going to be dedicated to parents. 
Uh, we're strong advocates for school choice, uh, parental choice, and um, there's a number of alternatives out there that parents have to really dramatically improve the, the education their kids are getting in government schools. So yeah. Website is goflca.com, goflca.com. I encourage you to... to uh, Visit the website, make a contribution, doing, doing great work. I just really admire Keith, you, and Pastor Rick for everything that you've done to, I think, uh, there's been just a confluence of events leading to uh, efforts to improve public education in, in the state of Florida, and it must be exciting to be part of it. Oh, for sure. And, and this uh, COVID virus, as bad as it is, has provided some significant opportunity. We talked a little bit last week about the fact that a recent poll from the Real Clear Opinion Research said that 40.8% of parents are very likely to homeschool their kids in the fall. That is amazing. Uh, and this morning there was an article, uh, I don't know if your readers or listeners are familiar with Education Week, uh, but it's a national um, a publication put out for, for educators. Mm-hmm. And they had a poll out in an article this morning that said 65% of educators um, don't believe the schools should be open in the fall. Wow. So when you put those two stats together, what are parents supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, We think there's a a lot of opportunity out there, but there's two in particular that we are really excited about. Um, We've we've talked on your show about classical conversations. It's a a faith-based homeschool. But it's a co-op, mm-hmm. and they just announced uh, several days ago on the 2nd of June uh, a summer camp, virtual summer camp, six weeks' worth of summer camp, hmm. that a family can acquire uh, for uh, $99, so it's a whole family. Wow. Um, it's, uh, each camp is, uh, there are six sessions, and each camp is 90, sections, 90 minutes long. It includes games, activities, trivia. Uh, focuses on geography, history, math, science. Uh, even teaches kids how to uh, recipes, how to cook, and and then ties that into math. But it's um, it's a virtual uh, program. Uh, each program uh, runs about ninety minutes long, and uh, you know parents uh, can can buy that for their family. Uh, the easiest way to find it is to literally go to our website. It's uh, it's just posted on the very front page of our website today. And all you do is click on that, click on the link, and uh, uh, for a couple of weeks, they'll even give you a money-back guarantee if you're not happy. You know, this is so exciting because kids need structure in their time, and they need something constructive to do. And uh, this is pretty exciting news for families, especially in light of some schools or some teachers are saying they don't want to open the schools in the fall, which is just ridiculous. 65%, according to Education Week. Oh, my, it's, it's amazing. Well, uh, hopefully they don't have the final say. Uh, hopefully our governor and the Department of uh, Education in Florida would be making these decisions, but uh, we need to get these kids back to school. And uh, <laughs> in my view, I think we should should do it during the summer. But this alternative that you're talking about sounds terrific. And it's Classical uh, it's, Conversations is the, is the right. name, name of the program. Yes, yeah, Classical Conversations. It's a full-year program. This should be a great way for parents to kick, kick the tires. Uh, if you look at some of the stats on classical conversations, uh, on ACT scores, uh, their students scored 19% better in math than traditional schools. Uh, English and uh, science are uh, close to 40% better than on, on ACT tests than the traditional schools. So it's a great education for, for kids and, uh, and it really is, uh, uh, you know, it, it puts the family mm-hmm. and, and family members and, and community members, because it's a co-op, uh, you know, the old days of, uh, of a, a parent having to single homeschool their children mm-hmm. uh, are, are long gone. Oh, no kidding. Now, to say more yeah. about that, because uh, the, the mm-hmm. mental construct I have right now is parents teaching their kids at homeschooling, but you're saying that's not the case? It's a... Uh... Well, par- parents do, uh, you know, parents do teach the kids, but they come together as a community, as a co-op. So, so one parent may teach science, mm-hmm. and one parent may teach reading. Mm. And if the if the co-op, if the skills of the co-op don't have, and I'm going to make this up, but don't have the ability to to teach um, calculus, which I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. then then uh, you know they they can bring in a virtual teacher for that. Um, on average, kids spend two to three hours a day uh, with their lessons. Uh, 
uh, they get together as a group at least once, uh, or once a week, hmm. sometimes more for, so it's an amazing program. It's, it's faith-based. Um, but, uh, you know, we've, we've been strong supporters of that. Well, this sounds so just exciting news, Keith. And, uh, it, it's a surprising statistic to me that, uh, 40% of parents are considering homeschooling for their kids. Uh, because you think about, uh, you, you think about the school being a resource to provide some structure for kids and uh, provide some education. But parents yeah. wanted to take that on themselves. I, what do you think the reason is for that? Um, well, I think uh, I think a number of things. Uh, one, <coughs> now that they've had, <coughs> excuse me, now that they've had the opportunity to to distance uh, distance learn over the last three or four months, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we're, we're hearing over and over again how shocked parents are with the the unchallenging content. Uh, in some cases, the the uh, the actual content being uh, indoctrination, um, some of the sexual exploitation that's there. Mm. Uh, so there are many reasons, but I think the the biggest one is parents are realizing that uh, you know what a poor education their kids are getting in government schools. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Keith, this is so important. I mean, we, uh, because we, you know, I just come back to the money here in Collier County. I'm uh, I don't have parents or kids in school, but I realize that the, the, we pay the most taxes of all in Collier County to the school system over a billion dollars a year. $22,000 a student, and yet reading levels are about 50% of, of the kids can read it uh, at grade level, which is just unacceptable. So, yeah, absolutely. And there's another, real quickly, there's another alternative we've talked about on your show, and that's the Hope Scholarship, and that's still very much in play. If, if you're a parent, and you should be closely, particularly now, closely monitoring your kids' cell phones, uh, we're hearing uh, a significant increase in cyberbullying, uh, with you know that it's the way kids are now communicating with each other rather than in person, and uh, you know just some some really sexual harassment content that's hmm. taking place. So every parent should be closely monitoring their, their kids' phone, and if they're experiencing that that sexual harassment, they they immediately all they have to do is file for it. They immediately qualify for the Hope Scholarship to send their child to a private school next fall with an eight thousand dollar up to eight thousand dollars scholarship. So. There really are some uh, exciting things there, and we have a hotline set up so parents can learn more about that. It's uh, 833-FL4KIDS, 833-FL4KIDS. And I'm sure that's on the website as well, goflca.com. Keith, does the uh, HOPE scholarship apply to homeschooling? No, it does not. Okay. Your, um, but it does apply. It does give you an opportunity to get your kid. And I'm going to be a little bit cross here, if you forgive me. But out of a, a huge petri dish, yeah. in, in the in the in the fall, yeah. into a a, a a private school that has smaller focused um, a, a ability to to uh, you know protect your child. So, yeah, yeah, great, great, and a much better education in many cases. Absolutely. Keith, this is great, uh, great information. I genuinely appreciate it. Again, GoFLCA is the web, GoFLCA.com is the website. Keith, genuinely appreciate your commentary here. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Take care. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And folks are getting back to work. It's a good thing to see. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with uh, Dr. George Markovich. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. Uh, size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's been a bad century. <laughs> it certainly has, but I think people are beginning to think a lot more about it. Now, uh, you wrote a column, which is protesters and high-tech thieves, the media always sides with the looters. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, as you've witnessed over the last, I don't know, several weeks now, the media has actively taken sides with the violent rioters and protesters in the streets. Right. Um, the, 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 the chief way they do that is by not calling them rioters and looters. Um, AP, the Associated Press, actually put out a journalistic guideline that says looting has a has racial overtones for some and shouldn't be used huh. um so yeah come, give me a break <laughs> so anyway you know they write these ridiculous headlines like two dead in protests well it's not a protest anymore if two people died yeah something besides the protest is happening if two people died yeah. and you know I, it just made me think of the media's awful and left-wing about everything, and I think you and I have talked about this, the uh, Oracle Google lawsuit. This is an intellectual property lawsuit. Yes. And the media is awful on it. You know, they, I, I, there are actual news stories from, like, Bloomberg where they say, well, here's the situation, and then they give Google's position on the case, and then they say Oracle disagrees. But it's presented as, these are the facts, and Oracle's, Oracle's fighting the facts. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not a news story, that's an opinion piece. And I, I found four that I highlighted, but the case has been going on for a decade now, and I can find 4,000 that do this. Yeah. Um, with, with that, you know, the, the headline might as well have been written by Google, the story might as well have been written by Google. Um, it's It's... It's, it's again, and, and, and Google stole. Google stole 11,500 lines of code from Oracle's Java platform. Right. They didn't pay for it. They didn't get a license, and they didn't keep what... The, the only two requirements Oracle has is you keep what you make. It's open to, to use. You keep what you make with it open, or you get a license from us. Well, Google didn't keep it open. They made Android, which is now in 80% of phones in the world. It's the number one operating system in the world. And they made it with Java, which is Oracle's product. And they didn't get a... They didn't keep it open, of course, because they wanted to keep it proprietary. Right. And they also... They, they started negotiating for a license, and then they just stopped and walked away. And by... I would argue that by starting to... argue you know, to, to negotiate for a license you've admitted you need a license. Otherwise, 
he never would have engaged in the process at all. So, Seton, so, I mean, this is right now, this is at the Supreme Court, if I'm not mistaken. This uh, decision should be coming out. Right. The, 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 the decisions have seesawed mostly to Oracle's advantage up the, up the food chain, up the judicial food chain. It is now at the Supreme Court where Google is asking the Supreme Court to overturn two federal appeals court rulings in Oracle's favor. Hmm. So that's where it stands now. And this was supposed to start happening at the end of March, this court case at the court. But, of course, we had the, sh- the China virus freakout shutdown, and it got delayed. Uh. So we're, it's, it's in a holding pattern over LaGuardia as we wait to see what, you know, the Supreme Court's doing remote hearings, and, of course, that's limited the number of hearings they can have. Well, I think Oracle's chances of winning this are pretty good, considering that the two lower courts supported Oracle in this thing. So I think uh, it sounds to me like Google's just dragging this out. Well, Google well, Google conservatively has made a trillion dollars off this product. Yeah. Um, yeah. Between selling the Android hardware, the, the phones and the software and all that, and then what really matters to Google is, of course, the data the operating system collects, which they then sell access to. So over the course of 10 years, it has to equal a trillion dollars. And, yeah. and Oracle is asking for, for $8.8 billion. I don't think that's an unreasonable Doesn't comparative sell. amount. So uh, parenthetically, uh, a class action lawsuit against Google was filed, I think in California, because, because of privacy issues. I mean, they think this is long overdue. I don't know if you had heard anything about this and could comment. I, I, I haven't read about it. I heard it, but I haven't read about it. So I don't know from what angle. Remember... There's two angles to come at the privacy thing. Yeah. Um, one is that you're stealing our data, you're not paying us. But two is, are they sharing it with the government? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that the lawsuit's the, fir- the former. Right. But, you know, there is, there is a case to be made that, you, you know, I, I've written about this a lot. You know, I, I read 1984 by George Orwell, and, and my first thought was, the government's not capable of, do, of this much tracking and, and, and monitoring. They need the pro- so, of course, the private sector came along and gave them the capability. So there is a potential for that lawsuit to be about them sharing the data with government. And yeah. I, I, I mean, that's, it's probably 90-10 in, in the other direction. But I just wanted to throw that out there. No, well, I think you're absolutely right. I'll just give you uh, Rod Rosenstein's testimony. <laughs> Talk about the government not being able to pull off intelligence. My gosh, he didn't. That's <laughs> so embarrassing. That guy should be in, remember, he, remember, he volunteered to wear a wire yep. and go under the White House in an attempt to initiate the 25th Amendment and remove Trump from office. He shouldn't be testifying in Congress. He should be lining up for bad food in prison. Exactly right, uh, Seton. It's just unbelievable to me that, uh, well, now that I think they're going to get uh, more people to testify. This is a little off topic right now, but uh, I think your point is that we definitely, Oracle, uh, their their uh, rights, their uh, property rights have been violated by uh, Google. They should be compensated, and hopefully the Supreme Court will do that. Uh, that here's hoping. Um, you know, you get, it, it often depends on what judge breakfast that morning. That's that's right. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks for joining us. Have a great morning. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. I've actually replaced both of my knees in 2006. Did a great job. He's kind of a great friend also. So we're going to get some comments about what's happening with health care in the trenches. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by St. Matthew's House. I just want to underscore how important it is to support St. Matthew's House. No government funding. They provide food and uh, shelter for the homeless and for uh, addiction recovery, all types of things. And there's lots of accountability in the programs. So I encourage you to visit stmatthewshouse.org. And also, uh, Lula B's Diner, a great place to have breakfast or lunch. They're big supporters of St. Matthew's House as well. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Dr. George Markovich, as I mentioned before the break. He is an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2006, for which I'm very grateful. I think he's maybe the best surgeon in the world. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Doctor. So uh, right now we're in the midst of this coronavirus, although it feels like everybody's kind of forgetting about it now that we're in this, uh, I'm going to call it a pandemic. of. Um, uh, it just looks like it's losing its footing. What do you think? Well, I'm not sure it had that much footing to begin with. I'm going to tell you what I think I've learned over the last six months, hmm. um, and I'll try to stay in my medical lane and, and provide you know some pithy comments. I, I think COVID-19 was novel. It was new. However, it's different than other coronaviruses. We deal with infectious disease potential every day. And this particular virus preyed on the most vulnerable in the population. Forty percent of the cases were in nursing homes. Those with pre-existing conditions, despite that, most people were asymptomatic, anywhere from 35 to 50% didn't even know they had it. Mm-hmm. Early on, there was this cruise ship that was, you know, quarantined and off the coast of, I think, San Francisco for several weeks with documented cases. They tested everybody, older population, in a Petri dish, mortality rate was 0.6%. Wow. Overall, as of the end of May, the overall mortality rate is 0.3% as we know it, from this pandemic. It did not mutate. It did not become more virulent to date. If a 91-year-old dies, was it coronavirus? Hmm. What caused that death? Well, the statistics are pointing or pushing towards uh, COVID-19, but we really do have to make some reasonable uh, determinations and uh, assumptions can be wrong. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I learned was the curve was flattened. Despite the initial challenges and confusion, our patchwork medical system, uh, the best in the world, if you really look at it objectively, was not overwhelmed. And <clears throat> many things were tried. Some of them initially were not the right direction, putting people on ventilators versus just supportive measures, proning, uh, 
supportive oxygenation, the uh, not being on a ventilator ended up being a better idea. Um, People were not, they were hypoxic, but they weren't short of breath. And uh, premature ventilation ended up being kind of a bad thing. Suffice it to say that we learned a lot through what the effect of this viral uh, disease was in terms of the immunology, the thrombogenic potential. And what we learned is that if you're obese, if you're male, if you've got a lot of medical problems, if, especially if you're older, over 80 and beyond with a lot of medical problems, you really had to stay away from a lot of people that had the potential of carrying and or uh, spreading this mm. disease. Yeah. Uh, hospital settings were not great for that. Our immune system works really well, Bob. Yes. If you sleep, if you have good nutrition, if you exercise, if you manage stress, immune optimization you know, that's going to help more than anything. And young people, even with some comorbidities, were pretty much spared from this. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I learned is medical professions, uh, professionals have a very tough job. The vast majority of them do it admirably. Mm-hmm. It's better when you're not overwhelmed, but people did amazing things, except for the epidemiologists. They're pessimistic. They're not clinicians. They missed the call many times, yep. including in this country. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's lies, there's damn lies, there's statistics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is testing worth it? Well, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's really hard to tease out genetic predispositions, uh, false positive rates. Yeah. Antibody testing has shown that a pretty significant percentage of people test positive. And, and so, you know, I learned a lot uh, about uh, a lot of things, but what I really appreciated is that everything is political. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. You know, uh, uh, just a couple of comments. We're seeing uh, more and more cases here in Collier County, but the, the number of cases correlates with the amount of tests that are being done. And uh, I wonder, I wonder if you could comment on this. This is so political, but uh, uh, I... I understand that uh, the uh, death certificates that are being signed are su- they're suggesting that a person dies with COVID-19. In other words, uh, there's some pressure or some influence, whatever you want to call it, for uh, for that to appear on the death certificate. Have you heard anything about that? My understanding is that uh, there's economic advantages uh, in terms of reimbursements and things like that that um, make it more likely that COVID-19 is attached to the cause of death. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I don't sign a lot of death certificates, Bob. So I can only tell you that um, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that, uh, for instance, there was a recent study on um, hydrochloroquine, and the numbers didn't add up. And and so it was basically uh, trying to negate the the treatment Mm -hmm. advantages of that particular medication, and, and it ends up the numbers that uh, were there were beyond the data set. So, you know, they're looking at the data again, but people are making statements. Uh, you know, we saw that with the Chinese uh, Communist Party initially <clears throat> trying to uh, uh, push things in the narrative a direction that was untruthful. So, right. you know, we have a divided country uh, there's a lot of things going on that um, are not uh, factual in yeah. nature, and we just got to be careful how, how we interpret things. It it turns out that a lot of people die. Yeah. <laughs> Three million people died in 2017. That's 732 deaths per 100,000 people. Our death rate actually has been less than usual uh, for the top 10 thing, but a, a lot higher in terms of things that uh, you would expect statistically from COVID nineteen. So yeah. what you said is is quite uh, you know uh, probable. Yeah, you know absolutely, and you're so right about the politics of this whole thing. Now, interestingly enough, uh, the there's George Floyd, and there was you know the officer kneeling on his neck. He's facing upgraded charges now, second-degree murder, and the other uh, police officers are being um, charged as well. They could spend 50 years in jail, and, you know, so th- I think that is just to be have that charge. But a uh, statistic that just came out is apparently uh, uh, George Floyd had coronavirus, 
Apparently, they, he tested positive during the uh, during the autopsy. So, I mean, when he says, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, that might have been one of the reasons. Well, I can tell you, um, and I mean this in a heartfelt way. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in an anatomy lab, lab and when, when you don't have skin, we're all the same. Okay? Yeah. And so what they did in broad daylight, whether you're a policeman or not, Mm-hmm. Um, was heinous and horrible, yep. and they killed a human being. That's right. In broad daylight, there's no excuse for that. Uh, the The false positive rate of these tests, of which there are, I think, over seventy of them, they're not perfect tests. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the false positive rate is almost as high as the true positive rate. Wow. And so, <clears throat> this antibody testing and the uh, viral testing. Is not a perfect test. I think that's uh, irrelevant information. I, I think what happened to that uh, gentleman is inexcusable. And uh, the people, uh, including the whole department, the whole department probably had some issues. The, the, the fact that they left their station after this horrible thing, uh, I yeah. think, speaks a lot. And um, people should be angry, but they should be peacefully angry. I would agree with that 100 I guess the point that I was attempting to make is, you know, sometimes you, you can't make a judgment until all the evidence is in and the trial has been held. Uh, as heinous as act as that was, they do deserve justice. The, the, the system of justice and facts will, new facts will come out, of course. Uh, I, I'm, but I'm, I'm grateful that it wasn't a lynch mob. I'm happy that they're going to have their day in court, which they deserve. The rule of law is what separates our uh, first world countries from our third world countries. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, um, for I think political reasons, it's always about control, money, power. Uh, we have people that are trying to disrupt the rule of law. Right. We saw that all along the last several years. <clears throat> this is just potentially another example. But from what I've seen from this particular case, inexcusable. The guy wasn't a threat. Uh, they should have, you know, treated him respectfully and moved on, and they didn't. Absolutely. Again, Dr. George Markovich, my orthopedic surgeon. I highly recommend Dr. Markovich. If you're feeling any kind of joint pain or having difficulty, you'll get great treatment. I, he actually, actually treated me for a couple of years before I actually had my knees replaced. Tried a lot of different things, and finally ended up uh, I needed both knees replaced. So I'm so grateful for your treatment. If you'd like to talk to Dr. George Markovich, you can call his office at 482-5399, 482-5399. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us here on the thank show. You, Bob. R- real quick, yep. I just want your audience to know that <clears throat> uh, avoid collateral damage from this, you know, uh, coronavirus thing. People need care, uh, and they should get it. And whatever care it is, we just want people to do well and be healthy. Well said. That's so important. Thank you so much, Doctor. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Bob. Uh Uh-huh. Important point because, of course, the collateral damage he's speaking of is the unintended consequences of isolation and social distancing and the depression, the suicide, all these things that are going on. People need help. They need to get the help. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Naples Mayor. Uh, Bill, former mayor, I should say, Bill Mordat, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. 
imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Get tickets now by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, my, my pleasure. Uh, always on a Thursday. Always on a um, Thursday. And it looks, <laughs> yeah, always on Thursday, unless you're on a jazz cruise. Yeah. Well, you know How what? How are you going to be doing that this year? Well, you know what? The, the they actually canceled the cruise. The cruise wasn't scheduled to uh, until January oh, of two thousand twenty-one. We got a note saying uh, they're going to defer it now to two thousand twenty-two. I thought that's kind of strange, but uh, I don't know what the well, thinking is. Maybe just because of everything and not not really knowing. I mean, we yeah. would assume that everything would would be done and. Uh, um, you know, the pandemic would, would be over, but who knows about a second wave or, yeah. or with everything that's been going on in the, in the, in the, in the country today with the, uh, after the shooting, um, with the rioting and everything. And then, you know, you seem to have put the pandemic or COVID-19 on, on a side burner. Right. And when you look at all those people that have congregated, uh, uh, and, 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 um, the uh, the sit downs and the protests and everything else, you got to think that thing could be having a rampage. Am I am I right? Oh, you're you're absolutely right. If in fact the coronavirus still has the strength that it used to have, but I've heard that right. the strength is Correct. dissipating now, and and we're going to have proof positive. This is kind of a petri dish of of uh, togetherness right. here with these riots. So we'll and uh, protests. We'll see what what comes out of that. But I suspect yeah. my prediction is not much. I have a feeling that the uh, the the strength of the of the coronavirus is kind of fading. Good. I yeah. I I've heard a little bit about that, but yeah, like you said, it is a petri dish, and we will. And that's a very good test. That's for sure. Absolutely. And you know, it's been been pretty quiet. Last night was pretty quiet. I understand they went to Marco, um, about forty people or thirty people, and uh, I think our sheriff's department and our PD has done a great job. I, I uh, agree with that a hundred percent. I'm so grateful. I don't know the uh, the police chief in uh, in Naples as well as I know Sheriff Rambo. Yeah, but yeah, I, Chief, Chief of Naples, a good guy, former uh, major uh, uh, over in Miami, um, got his got his uh, teeth cut over there, and mm. uh, basically retired and came over here. And young guy, I mean, and, and Tom Wessler is a terrific guy, very low key, knows what he's doing. He's respect, well respected. Um, yeah, good, good guy. We've got a good force here. Yeah, absolutely. And, but the, the main thing, the main thing is the respect for law, law and order. I mean, be able to stand right. up to crime and what's going on. You just, I just shake my head when I th- think about what Bill De Blasio is doing in New York City. He's inviting, Ugh. he's inviting the crime. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's a, a horse of another color, so to speak, right, Bob? Abs- absolutely. We we can't we can't. Um, uh, we can't affiliate with that because it's so much more than what we have to deal with down here. But yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, council meeting yesterday, we we watched bits and pieces, twelve hours, huh. and still didn't get finished. 
was 8 o'clock, and the mayor was getting very cranky. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she was really, um, so, they, so she did what they do every meeting. They push stuff off until the next meeting, and the same thing happens at the next meeting, that they don't get done, um, or they delay something, or they say, well, we'll put this on a workshop in the fall or whatever, because they're basically running out of time because they're going to take a summer break. Yeah. Then they're talking about yesterday of coming back in July for a special meeting because they can't get something done. And uh, um, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was somewhat comical. I mean, um, it's just like how it just. It, they're all over the place. Well, see, I didn't watch and the Mike meeting, but yet. I know I yeah, just think it's just a bad time management. Obviously, if you just allow things to dissipate and go off on different uh, routes and, and, and uh, don't get to decisions, the purpose of having a meeting is to make it make decisions, isn't it? Well, that's what I always thought. I'll tell you what, <laughs> and and I I finally picked up exactly what's what's going on there is the fact that I, it's a different management style, obviously, and I, I have to be, I'm a little careful, even though I'm just a citizen like, like you and everybody else, but, you know, and it doesn't matter if someone says to me, oh, he's just sour grapes, but people that know me know I'm not. Right. Um, I'm enjoying my retirement. That's not it. But the fact is, is that she hasn't learned yet, and I don't think the council has. Gary Price is the only one that knows what, what the heck he's doing there. Um, but what they, what they don't get, Bob, is you take a project, work it through, Yep. Okay, um, I mean, get everything done, get it on its way, and then go to the next one. You can't put ten of them on your plate. Yeah. Okay, in a meeting and start jumping around from one to the other, from one thing to the other, uh, and and you end up in the same thing eight hours later, ten hours later, and you're still. And Mike McCabe yesterday, one of the council members, absolutely, absolutely, kind of blew his top at the end of the meeting and corresponds communication. And he said the former council fast-tracked three things, okay, in, in less time than it's taken us in these 60 days to do what we're doing, which isn't anything. And, uh, I mean, he was, really, um, he was really adamant about something. And then he started yelling about, you pulled an agenda off the, off the item yesterday. And then Gary Price piped in and said, I pulled it off because the procedure was wrong and it shouldn't have been put on the agenda. And it's not complicated because actually the only way you get something on an agenda if you're a council member is you ask the rest of council during a meeting. Uh -huh. I say, hey, Bob, um, uh, I'd like to put this item on an agenda. Would the rest of council agree? And they discuss it and say, sure, we can put it on a future agenda. And that didn't happen. So there was a lot, you know, it's just it's difficult for me to watch. I guess that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I, you know, I could certainly understand that. <laughs> but what I appreciate about you, uh, Mr. Mayor, is that uh, you, you never demonstrated, uh, we're friends, you never demonstrated any sour grapes about the election and how it came out, but I, I really appreciate your commentary. Hey, I do want to ask you this one question. Yeah. Uh, fireworks are canceled. July 4th celebration canceled. Yes. I'm sure yes. that's because of coronavirus and social distancing and all that. Uh, out of curiosity, oh, yeah. Out of curiosity, uh, did, uh, is there a loss to the city for p buying fireworks that they or have to pay for things? And I, I no, no, and I'll tell you why. Because Zambelli, who does the fireworks for years and years and years, I mean they're a great company. They gave us up. They said you have till June, whatever, to, to make up your mind. They understand. They have the same thing all over the country of, of people they represent. Mm -hmm. You know, and so they're they're not going to play hardball uh, with any of that. And we let them know and said no. Um, we, we just can't, you know, you're talking 10,000 people down there on that beach. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's just not working and it just, and it looks like it's kind of routine. So it's too bad. Maybe we'll have a, a real good New Year's Eve one, which will be, you know, make it up or what have you. That's, but you got to do what's right. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Naples, former mayor, Bill Wren, always be Mr. Mayor to me. <laughs> Bill, well, thanks, Bill, I, I just yeah. genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hit him straight, Bob, okay? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> thank you so much, Bill. <laughs> well, that's a wrap here on today's show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed it, I uh, appreciate if you just tell your friends. That's kind of it's kind of organic. That's how this thing spreads, and we're seeing more more and more people participate on the uh, podcast sites as well as on the uh, the website. So again, uh, bobharden.com is the website. And if you have some comments, I'd love to hear about them. Send me an email at bobharden at hotmail dot com. Bobharden at hotmail dot com. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman. 
He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of American Commitment. Sharon Kenny is the author of Where Should We Eat? We'll be talking about dining and entertainment here on the Paradise Coast, as well as Dave Bigo. Always appreciate his commentary about unions and what's happening in politics. Uh, he's wrote The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.